Welcome to WNZN Radio, coming to you from Lorain, Ohio. Very happy that you tuned in today uh, on this beautiful spring day, which we're just a couple days, I think, away from summer. And of course, I'm here uh, with my good friend and assistant, David Abood. Good morning, David. Hey, great to be here with you today, John, and great to be here with Mike, too. Yes, and uh, like uh, we said before, one of the things we like to do on our station, on our shows, is to introduce ministries and ministers and people both locally and around the world that are sharing the gospel and, and seeing the kingdom of God expand to different parts uh, of, of the world. And we have a very special guest on today. His name is Mike. We're going to call him by his name, Mike, for security reasons, because we're going to learn of some of the places he goes to. It could be... Oh, security or, you know, a little bit of risk. And so we're just going to use Mike. And Mike, thank you for tuning in today and calling in. Thanks for having me. Thank you, sir. So, Mike, um, I know about you, and I, but my, of course, my listeners don't know about you. And again, this is WNZN Radio coming to you from Lorain, Ohio. Uh, If you're having a problem here in the radio, you might want to switch and live stream on your computer to www.wnzn.org, wnzn.org. So, Mike, let's start at the beginning. Just tell us about your life and and, uh, what it was like growing up and where you grew up in the world. It wasn't in America. And uh, just some of your life experience, and then we want to come into how did you become a follower of Jesus Christ. So let's start early in your life and just go from there and just, uh, just tell us. Okay, uh, my life, that, that needs a couple of days. Uh, okay. <laughs> How much time we have in this uh, TV? <laughs> I, know, I know you were born at a very young age. Let's start there. <laughs> um, well, um, yeah, I was um, born in a Christian family in the uh, Middle Eastern, uh, one of the Middle Eastern countries, Muslim country, and um, it was, uh, <laughs> um, childhood was, was, good as a Christian and the family, but of course in a, in a Muslim country, uh, I suffered a lot and I've, I learned a lot uh, from growing up in a Muslim country. But uh, God um, has a plan for me. I didn't know this until I <laughs> I'm over 30 <laughs> about God's plan and he was preparing me for a great mission. Um, uh, growing up in a, in a, a Christian family, that was blessing. Uh, having a believer parents was blessing to me. Uh, growing up in a church, uh, but always something was missing. Uh, like many other uh, Christians in this country, it's a Christian only in the church. Uh, and outside of the church, um, you can't tell that I'm a Christian or not Christian. So we, I didn't live the Christian life, as, as I said, as I see it in America or in any uh, country who, uh, where Christians, they practice Christianity. So that was a, a problem and always um, was always a desire. I want to follow the Lord with all my heart. I want to be like inside, like outside. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, in, in God's time, uh, when I came to America to uh, 
pursue my higher education and master's degree uh, in um, something related to disability. It's like a, a degree in education, uh, but also partnership with this uh, med, uh, uh, school of medicine and school of IT information technology. So it's not something like a rehabilitation technology. It's kind of like OT, like occupational therapy. It's not. I'm not an OT, but I'm. I'm doing something related to occupational therapy. It was very new when I came to America. Uh, that was in 2005, and that was my turning point. Uh, that's. I didn't know why God chose me to come here, in fully funded scholarship and. I just thought that is a new life in America, but it was a new spiritual life. It, it's a new spirit. <laughs> God want me to to experience this, and He answered my prayers to find what was missing in my spiritual life, and that was Jesus Himself. I found that I didn't have a personal relationship with Christ. I do have a relationship with the church, with with activities in the church, even serving as a Sunday school teacher in the church. But I was missing the personal relationship with Jesus himself. That's what I found on camps when I met uh, with a, a crew ministry, the Camps Crusade, uh, the uh, ministry uh, on, on the school, it's big school um, in, in um, Washington, D.C. area. Um, so that was my turning point when I started to meet with true believers. Uh, young brother and sisters and uh, the team leader, she was very faithful and they really invested on me and they saw God's calling on me before I see it myself. So I started to learn about mission, about uh, <laughs> um, evangelizing to Muslim, which was the last thing I was thinking that I can do or I like to do. I really didn't like to do this. I remember first couple of uh, monsters in the school i didn't even speak arabic at all because i didn't want to be connected to any arabic speaking or especially connected to muslim because all the suffering i had back in my country mike can you tell us what does that mean when you say suffering in your home country what was that like i mean was it insults or not able to get a job or were you physically accosted what, what was that like Christians in Muslim countries, they are treated as second citizens. Uh, in my country, uh, praise the Lord, the church is keeping the history of the church since Islam entered this country. And I tried to read this book. Of course, this book is not uh, to teach in school, like any, any Islamic history or any other histories they teach, but praise the Lord that the church was able to keep all this uh, history for generation after generation to know that the church was built on this seed of the blood of all our ancestors who were killed oh. because they, they didn't want to convert to Islam. And when Islam came to our countries, uh, we didn't have many choices. That is the story in every 
Muslim country used to be a Christian nation. Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, uh, all the countries uh, Islam invaded and they, they came and they promised that we are peaceful and we are the, the religion and the message of peace. And that was totally lie. <laughs> Once they have the power and control, uh, they don't give many choices, either to convert to Islam, and this is actually the meaning of Islam, submission. Submission. Yes. Yes. And, uh, or you pay very high tax, which many people couldn't afford. That's the jizya tax. Bravo, yes. And the, other, the last option to be killed. So thousands and tens of thousands, they couldn't afford this, and they didn't have this enough faith to be killed. But on the other hand, tens of thousands also of believers who couldn't afford to pay, they were killed. Oh boy. They were going to the, the, the sultan and telling them we are Christians, we are ready to die. Even if they didn't find them, they go. Because the death, death in Christ, it's better than living and denying Christ. Mm. This is what we were taught since our early age in the church. We taught dying for Christ, it's honor. And we seek it. We are not afraid from death for Christ. Boy, that's amazing, Mike. Wow. So in the church itself, they were teaching basically to be willing to die for your faith, to be willing to die for Jesus. Yes, yes. And wow. I taught this myself when I became, um, like, in the, in the age I can teach, I was teaching the same thing. The amazing thing, John, in the church history, we have in the church every day, uh, memory of the the person or uh, one of the murdered or uh, our ancestors who were killed in in this day so in every day until this day in the church there is a book called Senexarium they celebrate the departure of one of, of the ancestors who refused to submit to Islam or to any any one asking, denying our faith, and mm -hmm. he pup And it's an amazing story. You will find, like, a mother chose to see her children killed first before they kill her. That is the only thing she asked them to do. I want to make sure my five children, uh, they arrive to heaven before me. So kill them in front of me, in my lab, before you kill me. And that is the only... Uh, thing she asked them to do before she die. Now, this was in your church? In, in, in the church in this region. In that region. I mean, when, when I say my church, it's not necessarily to be like uh, um, the, the harvest church. Yeah, like, okay. I mean, the, the region, like, like the, the region, the, yes. the church of, of this region, like the Syrian church or the Russian church, or do you see what I mean? Yes, yes, yes. And, uh, the congregation, it's very united. Like the whole um, region, they say, they pray the same prayer. It's a traditional church. 
Yes. And the, the, the same, the, the whole region, in the, every day they pray the same thing and they read the same reading. So if you, if you go to, uh, let's say, uh, this is America, and, and if you attend a church in, in uh, Ohio, it will be the same exact reading that you will read in Texas. Okay. So the church is like this. When I say my church, it's not necessarily right. the, the physical building. I'm talking about the region. Got it. So you uh, there was real persecution. Now, when you were growing up, were you were you guys reading the Bible and studying the Bible? How was your childhood with the Bible? Um, in the church, you mean? Yes. Or in the family or in a personal reading? In your family, in your church, did they stress the Bible, or was it more tradition, or was it both? It's both. Okay. I mean, during the service, uh, there is a Bible verse um, for everyday prayer. The church, uh, they study together and pray and worship together. But after the church, almost everything, like every day, there was something going on. So one of the things going on, Bible study, Sunday, Sunday school. So we, we study the Bible deeply. Okay. But, but the problem, because I think of the Islamic culture invaded our culture, we don't live what we learn. That, what, that's living the Christian life. That's the part I was missing. Oh. The, the personal relationship with Jesus, this is the part I was missing. missing. That's not necessarily to be everybody like me, but... The majority of young people, they don't live. They are only Christian by, by name. Okay. This is what I found when I came here to America. Same they thing in America. So is it again? And you say the similar thing in America where they don't no, have a relationship. Is, no. I found the Christians I met uh, at, at the school, they are true Christians. And okay. they live, uh, they live what they believe in. That's what just my eyes started to be open on. This is what I was missing. Okay. I didn't have the personal relationship with Christ. I didn't live what I uh, believed in and what I teach. I don't live it. So it's like uh, I'm, I'm living with, with double face. Got in the it. church one face and outside of the church, I didn't do what I I. I I teach or I learn it in the church. Right. And that's what I found in, 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 at least in my school, when I met with the Camp Crusade uh, missionaries in the school, they were very faithful. When someone says I'm Christian, they don't have other reason to choose to be Christian. In our countries, maybe because of shame or because everybody's Christian um, or Christian or Muslim, they don't have many choices. So if you if you're Christian, you have to go to church, but you don't really practice your Christianity. Okay, a living. Okay. So uh, back to your uh, question about how the childhood was and how the persecution. Uh huh. Uh, until this day, is not only about my childhood; it's <laughs> the same and getting worse. Um, like um, a young Coptic um, girl, she goes to school and never came back to her family. She's kidnapped by a Muslim people, and they have, in 24 hours, the, those people and the government agreement to Islamize these girls, young girls, oh. even minor. 
Okay. People at, at 12, 13 years old. And when the family uh, go to a police station to, to report, they do nothing. They actually threaten the family to keep silent. That's why they ask them, why are you upset? You, your daughter will be Muslim. You have to be proud of your daughter too because she will be a Muslim. Yeah, yeah. but she's, she's minor. She didn't choose. She's kidnapped. <laughs> so uh, this is the kind of things uh, you would experience in, in, in daily life in these Great. countries. Amazing, yeah. amazing. Well, David has a question, Mike. Uh, sure. So, so Mike, um, a couple things. How did you break away from this bondage? Which bandage? Uh, the, the bandage of, of being Muslim in a Muslim country. I, I guess, how did you take those steps to free yourself? Ah, but um, I'm, I'm sorry if I, I, did, I was not clear. Was I, was not, oh, okay. uh, and I, and I was not, um, I didn't grow up in a, in a Muslim family. I grew up in a, a Muslim country. But I, I was born in a Christian family, um, and I, I go up in a church. Okay. 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 Yeah, I, I misunderstood that. Okay. So then. I'm sorry about this. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. So, so when did you come to the U.S. Uh, and why did you decide to come to the U.S.? Oh, um, I didn't decide. Just God. It's a God's plan. <laughs> Uh, it was. It was. Uh, I. I. I had the decision to leave this country, uh, in the Middle East, to go anywhere. America. It was even out of my dreams. <laughs> okay. But uh, I tried many times to go anywhere, and uh, it didn't happen. I just was like fighting with God. Why you keep me? I'm. I'm suffering here, and I don't want to be here. So uh, one day I received a phone call asking about my name. I confirmed it. Yeah, it's me. And they said, you applied for a scholarship right. okay. like a year back. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. says, yeah, I, I think I can call this. So what's about it? They said, you are selected oh. to, study, uh, to study a master's degree in this field you choose. Really? <laughs> it's after a year, and it's fully funded a scholarship. Yeah. That is unbelievable. Answer the prayer. <clears throat> Answer the prayer. It sure is. Praise God on that. Yeah, I didn't realize this is God's plan until even several years after graduation. I graduated here in America, and uh, I worked for a very prestigious job for the government and uh, was helping the wounded warriors uh, ah. uh, coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan sure. with recent disability. And after this, I started my own business. Uh, became a government contractor with more than one uh, government agency, school system, uh, public library, anything related to disability. Uh -huh. uh, I was a consultant at this time um, to provide uh, accommodation for uh, employees with special needs, students with special <clears throat> needs. Uh, so uh, even until this time, I was not aware of God's calling. Mm -hmm. It's nice. I enjoy it, but I don't know this is God's plan to serve people I intentionally choose to be away from. I don't want to talk to them, to Muslim anymore. <laughs> but this is actually the, the, the biggest miracle I see. It's mm -hmm. in my heart that, that 
transform transformation God did in my heart and instead of avoiding talking to Muslim and even don't be around them or even speak Arabic because I don't want them to come to talk to me because I speak Arabic <laughs> and yet this is my joy I, I try to go to any places they have Arabic speaking and I talk to them and invite them for coffee share with them the gospel and I don't care if get rejected as they do anything I just really I think God showed me those people are, are sincere they are prosecuting Christians because they feel they are doing favor for God and this is what the Bible said they are sincere more than many Christians they want to serve the Lord but they don't know the Lord they, don't, they know Allah so basically they are deceived by what they received in, in their Islamic education and uh, Muslim um, countries. They grew up, they don't know anything about Jesus. So and the, when God opens their heart and opens their eyes, unbelievable, unbelievable. I work with a group now of Muslims. <laughs> I, I can't tell you how they are like, very faithful people when they got to know the Lord very faithful they believe anything with no question <laughs> so the Bible says they have a zeal for God but without knowledge it says that in yes. Romans yes yes and, and yes. Um, so let me ask you Mike what what when you share the gospel what do they, what do they find attractive or appealing when you share the gospel or tell about Jesus is there something you notice that really connects with them? Yes. Immediately, once you talk about God is loving you, you will, fee you will see different reactions. Oh. Open eyes, sometimes tears. It depends on how God prepares the heart for every person. Right. Because I pray before I go to people, and I ask the Lord to lead me who wants to listen to, and he's, he's seeking you. And he leads me to the right people. I see people immediately in tears huh. from the first couple of words. Uh, last Thursday, not this one, the Thursday before, we, I go with a uh, uh, church for food distribution. And uh, almost 90% of this neighborhood are Muslim. And they come for food. Even they come with very expensive cars, way, way expensive than the car <laughs> I drive. But they come for free food. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, actually, the reason of this also, there is another uh, uh, religious reason. They believe anything be belongs to Christian is halal. It's a, it's a God given us everything from Christian because they are infidels. Oh. This is what they believe. So yeah. even if, if they have much more than you, they feel God asked them to take what you, whatever you have. Oh. So that's what we do in these countries in Middle East. They, they, they um, take your money and they say, God given us to this money. They kidnap your wife and they say, God given, given us this woman. And this is, they feel God asked them to do this. So yeah. even here in America or any Western country, they benefit all these, they receive all the humanitarian assets, they don't need it. Mm. But they just feel this is this is ours. This land should be a Muslim land. Uh, so, oh yeah, Mike, <laughs> uh, Mike, a quick question. I actually have a couple questions. One is, how is it any different 
in the U.S. with the Muslim uh, faith versus in the Middle East? I mean, is it as harsh here as in the Middle East? Uh, good question. Uh, Islam is Islam anywhere. Okay. Uh, they believe in Allah who given the whole world to them to be a Muslim world. And whoever is not a Muslim should be killed or submit to Islam. The difference is here in the West, you see uh, the soft version of Islam, yeah. meaning they don't talk about the real Islam. They know it, but they don't talk about it. For example, when they translate the Quran, they don't, uh, the Quran word killing in Quran mentioned uh, 96 times. Clearly killing non-Muslim mentioned 96 times. Word love in Quran, it has zero number. Except conditional love, like God, love, who are fighting for him, even associated with, with fight. So word, word killing, they don't really translate it as killing. They translate it as, as fight. So they use the soft um, vocabulary that will sound some, somewhat okay for a Western mentality. Oh, okay. They don't, they don't talk about all the violence uh, Muhammad and God asked them to do. They talk about things like even not true story, like the prophet, he had a neighbor for a Jewish neighbor and the Jewish neighbor was too nice to him. He was like treating him bad and he was forgiving, which this really story, they always talk about it. And when I, you search about the source, there is no source for this story, not mentioned anywhere. And what they say, it's in Mecca, uh, that is not true <laughs> because um, Mecca didn't have Jewish, that was in Medina. So, um, so they don't really show the real face of Islam okay. when they come to a country, Western countries, which they have human rights, they have power, they have laws, until uh, Muslims, they have enough power, that's, then they will show you the real Islam. They I ask see. everybody to be about uh, asking to pay jizya because you are not Muslim and asking for forbidden uh the the talking about jesus and you will be arrested if you talk about jesus is it like any other country they have uh power and uh, did i answer your question yeah. no you did very well yeah and and that was kind of my impression uh just the way you articulated that so even with this high tax do, is that in place or is that also softened here in here in the west I'm, I'm not sure if I understand that. Oh, okay. All, all right. Okay. Yeah, okay. Um, no, I was just curious about some of the other things, but it, it sounds like overall it's it's much softer here in the West, the yeah, way they go they about don't, it. Okay. They don't, they don't talk about all what I'm sharing with you. Right. They okay. just uh, try to show the peaceful Islam, the peaceful version of Islam yeah. to okay. convince people. So now, Mike, tell us about your ministry and how did you get specifically into the ministry that you do today? And I know you go overseas too sometimes. Yes, um, it's it's a long process. Also, while I was here uh, in, in 
US and I was managing my business, God sent um, a huge number of Iraqis to this area coming with the troops and a special visa who were uh, supporting the US military in Iraq. Mm -hmm. And they were granted a special visa to enter the U.S. because their life was in danger. So I started to feel uh, I want to do something to want to at least to help them. So I started from this top to minister to all these Iraqi families coming to U.S. in in my area in the states, and became a ministry and many volunteers, many Christians really responded to sharing and helping all these families. So uh, that was the seed. I started to realize what God has been doing in my life and what has planned to my life. So uh, a couple of years later, I uh, started to um, think about mission. Um, so I started to go um, in mission for short term, three months or something like this. And I started also to uh, help the refugees coming to Europe, Arabic speaking refugees, not only Iraqis, Syrians, Egyptians, Palestinians, Algerians, uh, Mauritanians, all these nationalities speak Arabic. They come with a huge number uh, to Europe as refugees because they were, <laughs> were facing danger from Islam. And uh, I had the blessing to, to share with them, and I found many people really are interested. They are coming to a free land to choose which God they want to follow. They are not obligated to follow Islam anymore. And I found many people, they started to think about their faith when they were persecuted by Muslims like them, and were killed by Muslims like them. Like them. And when they came to Christian countries, they widely opened their arms and welcoming them, providing food, um, housing, love. They see them showing love for people who never met, coming by the sea or coming by land, and they don't even have something to eat. <laughs> and they found all these Christians, they showing love and loving them and welcoming them and to act to save them. So they really touched by this. Many people uh, also came believing in Christ from their countries, but they didn't have the freedom to talk about their faith. They never found someone to give them a Bible or even share the Bible with them or share the gospel with them. But they believe in Jesus through mm -hmm. visions, through dreams, through a Christian neighbor, so I found many people just came to Christ because they they had a neighbor, uh, a Christian neighbor, and they can tell really the difference between a Christian and a Muslim from their neighbor. And but they never were able to to um, proclaim their faith or talk about their faith until they came to a free land. They can they can do this, even in this free land with this huge number of people. Uh, Muslims, extremist Muslims, they started to do a, a, a Sharia law court. It's local court, not a government court. That means when you find like uh, 10,000 refugees in a camp, uh, Muslims 
they form a court for anyone from those people think about leaving Islam or re removing the hijab or uh, not fasting Ramadan, they punish them. I'm talking about Europe. In Europe? <laughs> come, yeah, I'm talking about Europe. They come to Europe as refugee escaping from Islam to implement Sharia law uh, for refugees living in these areas. And they do. They do punish women and men and they, they don't allow any of the refugees to go to church or hang out with Christians. They do. So, Mike, what is your what is your vision now? What has God called you to do in the coming future? Do you feel you we you know you you have an incredible story and a testimony how God brought you to America, how you got into this profession and you got into graduate school. Now you have a heart to reach Muslims, and where is the next step? Do you see as God is leading you in your future? Um, well, I'm, I'm preparing myself to go long term uh, to serve with uh, Muslims um, um, overseas. And I will be full time. I'm already full time doing this for the last two years. But but uh, like short term in different countries um, that my next step would be uh, long term in one country like long term commitment several years and um, my heart god is speaking in my heart to serve children i will continue doing this with adults uh, that's what i was doing for the last two years uh, equipping future church leaders from muslim background and very exciting to see last two weeks one of the Muslim background people uh, in, a, in a European country, he came as a refugee, Muslim refugee, and uh, he was discipled by us in the last two years. Now he started a church in this country, and he had uh, nine Muslims. They are curious, and they won't know about Christianity. So now he and myself doing Zoom training, they call Al-Masira training for these nine Muslims. Wow. And I believe they will come to Christ within a few weeks. They will not even wait until the end of the, of the training. So uh, back to your question, I'm, I'm going to live there among those people and uh, start a church there um, and just uh, spend my time building relationship with the, the, all these refugees. But I will add the ministry for children because all these organizations and all these uh, missionaries uh, in countries like this, uh, they brought lots of attention to adults, which is great, but nobody is giving attention to those children. And I think uh, when I plant the seed of love, uh, definitely you will see a fruit sooner or later. Most of those people came to Christ. Someone put this seed while they, they were children. And this is how God spoke with me about uh, doing the ministry for, for Muslim children overseas. So, Mike, to go full-time, now how do you get support and how do you live over there? Uh, first thing, it's God's business. It's not my business. Right. So, it's God's business, he will provide for his business. 
And um, it's a good question. That's how I survived last two years with no support. I was self-supported and um, living on my my saving from, from my previous job. But that's been over three years now. So I'm praying uh, God will provide support for his business and uh, for his ministry. And um, once I meet the minimum requirements, uh, I will go soon. Um, oh. I'm ready to go, but just... Uh, I think I, I haven't met the long-term visa uh, requirements yet. Okay, so if somebody calls, uh, they can call me, you know, uh, or well, I'm going to give you Mike's uh, email also, his address. I'm going to do it now, and then I'm going to do it at the end of the show. But if you have a pencil or a pen, I want you to write down A-N-A-F-O-R-A dot ch at p-r-o-t-o-n as in new m-a-i-l mail.com and i'm going to repeat that at the end my phone number and i can get you in touch with mike 440-823-5038 okay mike continue with with your vision and especially now reaching out to children which is incredible ministry, and I, like you say, so many people come to Christ when they're a child because their hearts are open, and these are the these are, you you could be reaching the future generation of believers in Europe as well as going back to the Middle East. Incredible. Yeah, Mike, I have a question about the church you want to set up. Are you going to be doing that alone? Would you be like the head pastor? Or are you going to be cooperating or collaborating with another group? Good question. Uh, thank you for asking this because I, I meant to clarify it, but maybe because of the time, uh, I wait for someone to ask. Uh, I'm, I'm not planning to start a church myself. Uh, I'm a support for groups who plant churches. So the last two years, uh, when I was serving in the field, I was not uh, doing this for my own or church or for even my vision to start a church. I was supporting different groups, um, IMB and, and um, Hellenic, I don't know if I'm allowed to say names or not, but different, different organizations, they are already there with their teams to plant a church. Okay. They don't have a speaker. So I was uh, responsible for uh, um, equipping the, the, the leaders from Muslim background who speak Arabic and uh, Bible study for the new believers. So I'm, I'm serving them, but I'm not interested or planning to start my own church because I feel that I can be used efficiently with more than one group than sure. investing in only one one church. Right. Sure. And this is how yeah. Jesus' brother uh, from from Europe now he started his own church, but he was he was discipled himself when I was discipling other people. So this is the multiplication would be faster. Sure. Very good. Yeah, that's great, Mike. God bless you and the work you're doing. It's just wonderful. So, do you have a timetable, Mike? Uh, that what do you, ideally, what would be your plan going forward? Uh, I'm I'm praying to go uh, there full time by the fall, mm -hmm. uh, fall 2021. I'm going actually next month. I God provided for a vision trip, 
uh, for, for next month. So um, I already am familiar with where I'm going, but I think God uh, led me to people who are already established a ministry for children, which is amazing. They do this ministry not for refugee children, not for Muslim, for locals, but the center is already there. I don't need to start something from scratch. So I'm going to meet with those people. Also, um, we have a conference for uh, refugees and who are uh, interested in seeking. So they will come for five days uh, camp. We don't like to use the word camp because they don't like it. <laughs> they spend a very difficult time in camps. So we say conference, but it's a camp, yeah. really. It's like uh, we provide meals and accommodation yeah. and uh, the, the full week will be teaching. Maybe two months, and after that, I will come back uh, praying God will uh, provide to the minimum requirements for long term visa. And if that happened uh, by the fall, uh, I will be there for, for long term. Okay, we're hoping COVID lifts and everything else, and the door opens and that you get the right visa, and we're praying for your finances so you can be fully supported and to go full-time in this incredible ministry to reach children, but really reaching parents of children, too, while you do that. It's amazing, Mike. That's the main reason. That's why the the entrance for parents who are not interested to come to a church or interact with Christians, the good news is they trust Christians. They want to send their children to uh, uh, receive education in a Christian school or uh, a church. But they say we are Muslim, we are not interested in Christianity. That's fine. I will invest in these children, but also it's a door to reach out to this family. Great ministry, David. Now, uh, I'm just in awe of what you've accomplished, Mike, and your your heart for the Lord. Um, I, I guess, you know, just for our information, and uh, benefit if we encounter uh, Muslim uh, people that you know are seeking. What's the best way for us to open the door here in the West to invite them, to, you know, to look at Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? What would be the best approach in your mind? Uh, always talk about the common ground. Uh, they believe in Jesus as a prophet. That's fine for now. (laughs) And uh, many, many Muslims, they love Christ. I have a Muslim right now in my network. He has actually write um, uh, a poet, poet? (laughs) is that right? Uh, He he, he writes like very good words about Jesus. He loves Jesus. But he says, I'm Christian. I'm a Muslim. I'm not Christian, I'm Muslim. Uh, So I think the the first thing is just uh, sharing with them uh, about God's love. That is really attract them. They, mm-hmm. they, they never heard about God's love. They always hear about God's fear. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But they, they, they never heard about God's love. Uh, and this is something that brings their attention. Talking about Jesus, even if they don't believe in, in Jesus as God, they believe that he's a prophet, but they do believe the Quran amazingly <laughs> said stuff about Jesus uh, never 
been said to any of the prophets. The Quran says Jesus can create. Create. Well, when I talk to them, it says, word create, it's only for God. God can't give it to anybody, even as a prophet, because if God give something only can be called for God, that God has a partner. Mm-hmm. And Hasha, God doesn't have a partner. But why the Quran mentioned about only Jesus, he can create from from the clay a bird, and he can raise the dead. Who will give life? God is giving life. So why the Quran said about Jesus, he can raise the dead? So these questions really it just make them thinking. Yeah. Why? 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 The Islam doesn't give this privilege to Muhammad. Right. Why? G- so yeah, I think. But showing love and respect, it's 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 key. Um, so I don't. I never talk with anything bad about a Muslim about Islam and all what I shared with you. I just always right show respect and love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure, sure. So Mike, how about the prophecies in the Old Testament? Do they like that about Jesus? Um, they don't know much about the Old Testament. They don't know much about the mm. prophecies in the Old Testament about, about Jesus. Okay. Uh, but uh, if you mention some of them, they say, yeah, that's that's fine. We, we believe in it uh, because he's a prophet. But also they believe the Bible is corrupted. So when you come to a point that you say, no, the Bible says this, the Bible said Jesus died. She so said, no, 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 Jesus didn't die. God sent uh, someone else, they believe it's uh, Judas, to die before, uh, instead of Jesus. That's why in the first thing when oh. they are, even the children, uh, the, first, the, the most important thing I, I focus on, the, the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. Oh, okay. Uh, when you come to a difference between Christianity and Islam, they say, yeah, because the, the, the Bible is corrupted. So we always ask, when we say something corrupted, we ask three questions. Uh, why it's corrupted? And who corrupted this? Mm-hmm. And when it was corrupted? When you ask these three questions, there is no reason and there is no answer for them, for the Bible to be corrupted. Uh, and if it's corrupted, that we should, Christians and Jewish, should remove things from the Bible, which is a Jewish you don't like. <laughs> and the Christians sometimes, they say, oh, just the, our God is crucified, so we should remove this, if we, if we corrupted this. But we always, Christians, proud of the death of Jesus, because also we talk about his resurrection. Right. Well, uh, Mike, it's an incredible story, your life, your testimony. I encourage people that are interested to get contact. Again, you can call me and I can direct it to Mike for security purposes. My name, of course, John Murtha, 440-823-5038. And I want to give Mike's email one more time. A-N-A-F-O-R-A dot C-H at P-R-O-T-O-N-M-A-I-L dot com. Anaphora dot C-H at 
protonmail.com. And it's just incredible, Mike. We just are so blessed to have you on our show today. We hope to have you on in the future. And even before you go overseas for your ministry, we'd like to have you back on. And uh, maybe one day we can even see you up here and uh, be at the radio station at that time. Any closing thoughts, David? No, just God bless the work you're doing, Mike. And we're so grateful you came on and wanted to talk to folks about uh, your ministry and your walk with Jesus. Thank you very much. It was Thanks a pleasure and an honor. It's a blessing to me to be with you guys. Oh, same Thank here. You. It's a pleasure to be with you. Why don't you close I'm going to close in prayer, okay, Mike? Yes, please. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the miracle of communication that we can be miles and miles away, but we get to talk to Mike so clearly. And how much more so can we talk to you, our Heavenly Father, so clearly? You invite us into your very presence. And I pray, Lord, and ask a special blessing upon Mike, his life, uh, his testimony, what you've called him to, his heart. For, for the Muslim, particularly children, and particularly those that are refugees, um, you say pure religion is to visit the widow and the orphan in the times of trouble, and, and this is what Mike is doing. I pray, Lord, you'd open the door that he could get the right visa, right entry, that COVID would be uh, gone in the area he's going to go to. And I also pray, Lord, you'd bless him with finances. Give him favor, Lord with a pastor, with a church, with a mission board, with a potential donor, maybe somebody that's even listening to the radio show now. Just bless him, Lord, in a very, very special way that he can continue to be a blessing to many, many people. He's laying up treasure in heaven, Lord, and I just thank you for Mike's life and the encouragement he's been to me and to David and to all of our listeners this day. Bless my brother in a very, very special way, we pray, for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Amen, amen. Thank you so much. God bless you, Mike. God bless you, Mike. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.